Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. David and Gene McGrew, let's, let's give them a warm welcome. Don't. Don't. <laughs> I, I, I wondered all this time where that bazillion dollars went. Jean's just, she's been looking. She did the books. She's been looking all this time for that money. I wondered where those checks went. Good morning, Hope City Church. I just want to greet you. I know David's got a great word this morning. And uh, before he preaches, I just want to say that everything that God does to work in our lives is always for our good. He is good, and his mercies endure forever. So no matter how he leads, no matter how he speaks, no matter how he directs our lives, it is always for life for us. It is always for our well-being. Jesus prayed in John 17 that, that his disciples would be one as he and his Father is one. So one with him, one with the Father. And I believe today that the Lord has a word of alignment for us, something that will divinely align us for purpose in these days that we are living in. And so I just want to encourage you to open your hearts this morning and and have an ear to hear what the Spirit is speaking to each and every one of us, because he says something different to all of us. He leads us in different ways. So, So just be open. Don't, don't be critical of what's being said, but be open. Sometimes I'm critical, you know. Sometimes when I, I like to critique David, I don't know. It's just something about me. Not really. Uh, but yeah, really. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the time together with these... With the, you're so good. Uh, with these precious people, we thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing, not just in this house, but in this city, in this province, and in our nation. Father, I thank you for what you're doing within your church, the way that you are leading your church as the head of your church. Jesus, I say thank you. May we be properly aligned to you for your purposes in this hour, because truly we want to bring you the glory and the honor in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, okay, you, you can trick. You go right ahead. Sometimes when church is over, she says, do you know, people might have thought this when you said that. I said, yeah, I knew that. She said, well, is that what you wanted them to think? Not necessarily. I just wanted them to think about it. <laughs> so uh, I'm okay with that. I want to play with the praise and worship session for a minute, though. Uh, normally... You know, I don't know that I think about this thing too deeply, but I picked up on a couple of words that were phrased. And without trying to overwhelm the point, did you notice one of the lines in the first song said, the battle belongs to you? And that doesn't, that doesn't just say the victory belongs to you. Because a battle is an ongoing process. And sometimes we want to just reduce life down personally and corporately to, oh, good, God's on my side. This won't be a fight. Oh, good, God's on my side. If I have to fight, it'll only be for a day or for two days. But some battles, spiritual just like natural, are protracted events. And it's easy to get tempted in the middle of it 
to think if the battle really belonged to the Lord, if the victory was the Lord's, this wouldn't have gone on for a week, a month, a year. I don't know about you, but I've had certain battles in my own mind that have gone on off and on for years at a time. And sometimes you think if you just can't stow life away perfectly, nicely, and never think about it again, that you haven't won, but that's not true. What, what proves the story out is if you are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that's, that's often a struggle, and it's okay to struggle. Because if we don't learn how to struggle spiritually and overcome in our own battles, we'll never overcome the great spiritual warfare that's raging over our heads right now. A bunch of, a bunch of people who can't control their own fights in life, even if you got a gazillion of them together, Jacob's proverbial bazillion, you got them all together. If they can't win at home, if they can't win over their own thoughts, they're not going to bring the thoughts conspired against the universe, by the universe, against the saints, into order. So there'll be fights in the future. And you need to learn how to fight rightly and righteously so that you are satisfied that you're winning, maybe not always have won completely, but that you know you've won through Christ and are pursuing that ultimate victory and that you are winning. Maybe some days more than others, but you're bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ because one of the other songs, and I know this is Hope City, I'm going to play on the words, said, out of the ashes, hope will arise. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that three things abide, faith, hope, and love. We grew up in a world, Gene and I did, where we understood that love was the primo subject of that, of that little phrase. But we figured faith was the next plank in that platform. And it's actually hope. Because faith gives substance to things hoped for. You can at any given minute you want to do a diagnostics on your own faith, on your own spiritual life, on your own soul, and measure and measure it more or less by how much faith you've actually got. Or, not to get tricky, what your faith is actually in. If you don't have any faith in God's capacity to work in you and overcome, your faith is not really going where you think it's going. You have to guard your hope like a jealous husband guards his bride. You have, to jo- you have to guard the hope in your heart with all of your heart because once that is violated and tainted, everything else slants and gets turned sideways. Again, if you can't do it yourself here in this room, if you can't do it at home, you'll never be able to make a contribution to the overall spiritual battles that are raging overhead. The thought struck my mind that out of the ashes, hope will arise. There's not a person in this building that hasn't at some time or another had their hopes crushed, broken, violated, lost 
not a person here that hasn't. But there's a different kind of hope. There's an Abraham kind of a hope that said when all hope was gone, hoped on. That's at some point in your life, maybe several times, you'll come to a place where you can't conjure up any more daydreams or pretense or best wishes or wanting to avoid issues. You'll have to you'll have to go through an experience where your hope seems to fall to the ground. But if you've done right, if you've learned how to fight, if you've learned how to battle spiritually for your own soul's sake, in that pregnant moment where nothing is moving and it could seemingly go out of the way, a new hope, an indestructible hope, rises from the ashes of your defeat, except this time it's something on the order of having a hope in God not just having a hope that you yourself can fulfill your hopes about God. Oh, it's a scary walk we're on. Don't make any mistake about that, darling. It's a scary walk you're on. There'll be times that you inevitably feel isolated and alone. Sometimes even when you come together and gather as a group, you're going to feel terribly alone in the years to come. But if you have entrenched yourself in a relationship with the Lord so that you've learned about you as much as you've learned about him, as you've taken your spankings and grown and changed and learned what it really means to trust God, not trust yourself to trust God, then those hopes will rise up, spring up with new life, and you will go on into the future in great victory. Fear not. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said that to Joshua five times in that first chapter. Five times, I believe. You got to say, wait a minute. Why do you keep saying the same thing to me over and over again? Because if it was just a casual thing, I probably could have got it the first time. But there might be a reason to think. There might be a moment where I have to ask myself in the future, is he still here? And he said, I'll never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. I made allusions to having to do this personally, so I've probably got one thought I want to share, but it might take me eight verses to get there. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 7, if you have a Bible. Does anybody carry Bibles anymore? Let me see if you have a Bible. We're not taking names. Okay, good. The guy, that's odd. It's odd. If there's a statistician amongst us, we need to get him to work because for some reason, the people in the front raise their Bibles and the people in the back either don't have Bibles or didn't raise them because they think that guy probably can't see me from here. I'm not sure which it was. We've got to figure that out. If, there's, if we can make a test, Jacob, that people that carry their Bibles are more likely to sit on the front row. <laughs> After we've got that sorted out, we're going to start with the Bible size. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 7 I'm reading out of the revised standard version I think I probably told you this the last time it just it's what I brought it small it's easy to carry it's uh, the, uh, the mother to the English standard version it's the mother at least the mother stepmother to the new American standard version so it's, it's reliable it's reasonable it's 
not too exciting in any one place you want to look at it, but it's, it's trustworthy. So uh, in Romans chapter 7, and just, just for the record, I know that if you could understand the book of Romans, like you could sit down and explain it to your friends in seven minutes, let me tell you what the book of Romans is, that you're smart enough to be a rocket scientist. So, so I get it. I get it that it's layered and tricky and all of that. So, but just, just really one point. Paul says in verse 21, after he's made a great statement, he's coming to his conclusion, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Both in Hebrew and Greek, evil's got two different components to it, but, but basically you can measure it by the willingness to hurt something or someone else. That's, what, that's the definition of evil, is the willingness to hurt something or someone else. So you can make some mistakes, but they're not necessarily evil. You can do some things wrong, but they're not necessarily evil. You have to have an evil heart of unbelief. You have to have an evil heart to do something that intentionally harms somebody. But I've known people who hurt people on purpose. And even though I liked them, that was still evil. I probably have hurt people. I hope I didn't hurt anybody on purpose, but if I did, it was some evil root on the inside of me that thanks be to Jesus when I got born again, I got healed and learned to change and be different. He says, like me, for I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, in my inner man. But I see in my members, that's my flesh, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind. So there's lots of, lots of wars, there's lots of laws here too. The law of my mind in, make, in taking me captive to the law of sin which dwells in my members. So it said right there that there's a law of sin that's in your members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's delivered us from the body of death. So then, and this is, this is what this translation says, it is very helpful. So then I... Of myself, I like that. I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So what he's just said here is that there's three components to each and every one of us. There is, there is an inner man, our spirit. There is what he calls, in this case here, a mind. He calls it in other places. He calls it a soul. And he says, in your flesh. And what he said was that I delight in the law of God after my inner man. In your heart, you always want to follow what God wants you to follow. It's, it, this is not rocket science here. In your heart, you always want to do right. After you've been born again, you want to do right. The thing that changed about me, the only thing that changed about me the day before I got saved, the day after I got saved, was that the day after, I cared what God thought about me. That I was still the same person. I still had the same words in my mind. I still had the same habits and problems. But except today, I knew there were problems. Not the day before. That day I knew there were problems. So he says there's a law of my flesh. Sin lives in your flesh. It always lives in your flesh. You cannot discipline sin out of your flesh. 
You can never control it well enough to get the sin impulse to die. It wants to go after what the appetite suggests, what feels good, and what it likes. And you can beat it into a corner and keep it there for 20 years. But if you blink once for too long, it'll crawl out when, you're, when you've got your eyes shut. It's not anything that you can rely upon. It's always wrong. Your heart always wants to follow God. Your heart always wants to do right. But your mind is the deciding factor. Your mind casts the vote. So what Paul just said right here, when he made the statement, I of myself, he just said, I make the decision to choose the right thing. Now that's not always easy. It's not always easy to sustain even after you've done it. But he said, I make the decision to choose the right thing. Now, here's, here's the thing that we all have to come to terms with. While there is in one very real truth, Jesus in the eternal realms up in heaven ever living to make intercession for us, by his spirit he lives on the inside of us. There's some things we look for God to do up there that it's the God in here that does them. But for the God in here to do the work that you want him to do, you can say all you want to, Jesus, deliver me from my bad habits. Jesus, deliver me from my bad thinking. And for the record, your bad habits are not the problem. It's not your flesh that gets disciplined, except indirectly. All discipline is aimed at disciplining your mind. Because when you bring your mind under, your body complies. You've got two out of three majority right there. The mind sides with the heart. The flesh eventually shuts its mouth. But you have to keep your mind under control. You have to keep yourself minded on those things that are above. What it says later on in the 8th chapter, be minded of the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh, because the 8th chapter says, they that mind the things of the flesh, the things of the flesh are death. To be minded after the spirit is life. To be minded, that kind of gives you the idea that it's talking about making a choice making a decision, and then living that decision out. You can feel really bad. You can make yourself feel guilty because you still have appetites or you still want to do things wrong or you still don't want to do the right things. It's not just about doing the wrong things. You have to be spirit-minded to want to do the right things. There's all sorts of places we could look, and I don't want to be too, too over the map. But when Paul talked about bringing his body under, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talked about not just about denying it, he talked about using it to do the right thing as well, to discipline it and fight real enemies. In fact, that's what happens. That's where it takes place. The way you fight your battles in life is when you slowly, painstakingly walk through your life challenged about what you believe, challenged about who you are in your aloneness, and you determine within yourself that you're going to try to keep yourself minded after the things of the Spirit, which takes some prayer, which takes some Bible reading, which takes something that you need to know how to do to like pray in the Spirit, if I can say it, to have enough energy and strength on the inside of you that's stronger than what comes against you on the outside. This is not a game. You can be a, you can be a happy, nice church-going Christian 
and get your butt kicked every day of your life while you're looking at the sky waiting for Jesus to somehow, if you just sing loud enough, if you danced better, if you just gave more money, if you just behaved better, if you just behaved better, somehow Jesus would look at you and say, okay, that's enough, you're okay. That's not going to happen. That's not how that works. How it works is you tap into that resident force that's on the inside of you. And you make sure that you've been strengthened with might by his spirit into your inner man so that you are changed from faith to faith and glory to glory. You become a different person. And that somehow, somehow in that, your mind has grown to feel safe and comfortable in choosing to align itself to the truths you see from the word. You won't make it if you just read your Bible 15 minutes a week. You won't make it if your spiritual life is built upon going to church and having a great church service once a week. You won't make it if you go because you think you can go to a church where everybody else is alive and happy. You'll only make it, you'll only make it if you do the personal work, not somebody else for you, the personal work that you have to do to build an intimate relationship with God where you know him for who he is in your own in your own life in your own context i wish we could just say let's all sign a petition and ask jesus in the sky to help us but he's going to say in the end of course i'll help you i'm standing here as verification that the victory is won but it's still your battle you have to fight your own battles the battle belongs to the Lord in the sense that he gives the victory. You, dear ones, still have to slug your snotty, bloody, muddy way through it. All by yourself. Counselors are great. Prayer partners are wonderful. I have numbers of both. But nobody can live your life for you. Nobody can make your choices, and nobody can make your stand. You have to make that stand. So he goes on. He says, but I of myself, and it says it like this. There's whatever translation you've got, there will be a word in there that shows the point. It's an emphatic thing. So he's, he's not just said like, I'm, I went to the grocery store. I went, I went, to the, I went shopping. I, I chose to go shopping. I, sh I chose to go to the grocery store. I chose to do this. I saw the three pieces laying there, spirit, soul, and body, flesh, mind, and spirit. And I said to myself, this ain't going to work if I let this middle guy keep flipping back and forth. I'm, I'm going to choose. I'm going to place his affection on, on the things of the spirit. I'm going to place his affection on things that are eternal. So then he says, a lovely verse. Here's, here's where we're going. There is, therefore, so therefore points back up to what we just read. When he says therefore, he's not just giving a blanket truth here that applies to everybody across the planet. He's not giving a blanket truth that applies to me every minute of my last 60 years, 45 years, I guess, as a believer. He's not just saying this is true all the time for everybody everywhere, no matter how they're living. He's saying because of this, 
because I've decided to cast the award-winning vote towards the things of the Spirit. He said, there is therefore, because I've cast that vote this direction, because I've made this choice, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You could use that and you could say, that's a good description of what it actually means to be in Christ Jesus. To have to be in Christ Jesus is more than just believing on him. It's more than believing just about him. To enter into that relationship requires you to be intimately engaged and involved in stepping forward so that you're saying, and I've said this every day of my life, on some level I've said, I've said, I choose, I choose to think like you want me to think. I choose to put my mind on spiritual values, but as I said a moment ago, I haven't done that always. There's been times there's a battle. There's times I say, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I really think I should do what my flesh wants to do. I really think it's not really what my flesh wants to do. I think I feel so passionate about it. It's because it's what God really wants me to say. But it wasn't really what God wanted me to say. It was what I wanted God to want me to say. It was what I wanted God to want me to do. And that's not always clear to the best of us. Whether it's in a church service or in your relationships, that's not always clear to any of us. But when the revelation comes, then you say, whoops, I, I was left a sinner there. Uh-oh, I was over on the right line on the right side of the road. I went too far. I meant well. It's not evil because I meant well but I still have to take responsibility and come back to balance. And to come back into balance means I have to be willing to say, I set my mind. He said it in several places, several different ways. I set my affections. I set my Bible on this table, but it's my Bible and I had to set it there. When I walked up, I set my books there. I took that which is of mine and I put it where I wanted it to be. I set my desires on God. I set my affections on those things. I set my hopes. I set my dreams there. Even when natural dreams and natural hopes begin to have a big pull, it's okay to see it. You haven't lost the battle. You maybe punch, 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 got three in and took one back on the chin, but you're still ahead. You're still ahead and you've got the power of the overcomer living on the inside of you. Shake your head, clear your eyes, and go back in. Stay in the game. Stay in the battle. Stay in the fight because victory is guaranteed as long as you fight. There's no judgment for those people. When it says no condemnation, it does, it's not talking about the part that says, you did some wrong stuff. It says your sentence is held in abeyance. Your sentence is canceled. You don't have a sentence you have to pay because, not because you just got born again, that's the beginning, but because you've chosen to walk after the Spirit. That's everyday Christian life 101. Every one of you knows exactly what I'm talking about. 
Maybe at some point in your life you thought it was evidence you were unspiritual. It is not evidence at all. It's evidence that you're alive spiritually and that you're learning how to overcome as you face Christ, as you face yourself within the context of your own circumstances. And that's a good thing. Stand up with me. Stretch your legs a second. I'm going to pray for you. Gene, you have anything you want to say? Come on. I didn't look at the clock. I got a chronic. I got a chronic graph and it didn't even turn on. Couple of thoughts. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He sends His word and heals us and delivers us from all destruction. So every time we're in a battle, every time we have a choice to make, we have something residing. We have someone residing on the inside of us who leads us and guides us into truth. He's called the Holy Spirit. And God has given him as a resource for our lives to always overcome in Christ Jesus. And he does this by bringing everything that Jesus said to our remembrance. So this is why it is so important for us as believers to feed upon the word of God because this is the bread of life, right? That we've been given to feed upon. And Romans tells us, goes on to say that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When I'm in the middle of a battle, I have to align myself with God's thoughts. Isaiah 55, come and feed on me. I'm the one that's going to satisfy. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. It doesn't mean I can't have them. It just means I'm holding something in my mind, in my belief system that isn't aligning with God and the Holy Spirit for the victory that I desire to see in my life must align to him. I want to read this scripture out of John 12. I think it's John 12. Just a minute. Yeah. John 12 verse 46 starts with, I've come into the world as a light so that whoever, and, and you know, we battle darkness, don't we? We battle the despair, we, debat, we battle the dismay, uh, the destruction that is trying to work in our lives. And it always comes in through the flesh and the mind. The mind is huge. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit speaking so loudly to us. We stand in that place where, like David said, I'm choosing to believe what he is saying above what I feel and think right now. Let God be true. Say this with me. Let God be true. Let God be true. Come on. Let God be true and every man a liar. That includes me. My thoughts that don't agree with him have to change so that I can walk in life and liberty, which is what he so desires for us. So he says here, I've come into the world as a light. Whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I don't judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He is so good. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. <laughs> it is God's goodness when we are in the battle where he comes with a word and all I have to do is say, God, I choose. I choose to believe you. You know, we have identity issues. We have insecurity. We have frustrations. And we, and we constantly battle with those things about uh, inferiority and condemnation and guilt. But God says, I have redeemed your life. You're mine. You belong to me. So he says, the one who rejects me 
How do I reject Jesus? By not believing His Word. He is the Word. I reject Jesus when I reject His Word. He says, you don't receive my words. Those that don't receive my words have a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. I don't want to stand before the Lord, and I know you don't either, and have him say, I said this. <laughs> I decreed this. I kept telling you, this is who you are. This is what I've made you to be. This is what I've called you to do. That word will come to us. I want to be so aligned with the Father that all I hear is well done. <laughs> Good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Just say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, teach me to think like you think. I purpose to put my mind where you tell me to put my mind in Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.